Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book of 2 Samuel, where the action is. This is where uh, David now is assuming um, and consolidating uh, all the politics and the power. And he eventually, we see, gets anointed king and um, then does something amazing. He takes Jerusalem. He... um, His main location was Hebron. He ruled there for seven years. uh, And then he rules Jerusalem for 33 years. So let's take up in chapter 4 and see what happens. So uh, Ish-Bosheth, that was Saul's son, remember? And he was um, anointed king. Uh, Abner had anointed him king. And there was civil war going on. Abner um, then gets rebuked by this young king, Ishbosheth. Makes Abner mad. He calls him. He had called Abner out for um, taking his own concubine, and so Abner gets mad. You know, pride obviously steps in the way. Why should this young little boy be telling me what to do? So he he tries to. Uh, uh, go over to David's side and uh, ends up uh, killing um, uh, the brother of uh, one of David's commanders, Joab. Joab eventually uh, takes Abner's life in vengeance on his brother. Now we've got this young king, Ish-bosheth, Saul's son, sort of on his own. He's lost his commander who defected, now the commander's dead. And so, as we see in verse uh, 1, chapter 4, when Ishbosheth Saul's son, heard that Abner had died at Hebron, his courage failed, and all Israel was dismayed. And now Saul's son had two men who were captains of raiding bands. The name of one was uh, uh, Bana, and the name of the other was uh, Rechab. These are sons of Rimen, and so um, they were 
a couple of his commanders. And then they then the, the text mentions in verse 4, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled. So, you know, um, this was, um, you know. So just in summary, you know, you got King Saul. He had two boys. One was Jonathan and one was Ishbosheth. Jonathan was the main son, did all the fighting with dad, uh, did all the fighting with Saul, but Saul and Jonathan are now dead. Ishbosheth is king, and one of Jonathan's boys, Mephibosheth, was a cripple. And so there was no mention that, you know, anybody was going to try to um, bring Mephibosheth to um, the throne. Uh, Ishbosheth was put on the throne basically by Abner, who is now dead. And the verses mention the reason Mephibosheth was crippled when he was five years old. When the news about Saul and Jonathan came, his nurse took him up and fled. And as she was fleeing in her haste, he fell, became lame. So, in other words, he got dropped and he gets crippled. Uh, but he's just a young little boy when uh, his father and his grandfather die. So now you've got these sons, verse 5 of Remen, uh, Rechab and uh, Bana set out, and they basically go to the house of Ishbosheth, the king. And uh, when he was laying on his bed, verse 7, in his bedroom, they struck him, put him to death, and beheaded him. And they took his head and went all the way all night long and brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron. And can you imagine why they did that? Obviously, they know he's a coward. He doesn't have any commanders who are loyal around him. They figure if they, just like Abner, if they bring him the king, that you know, they murder their own king, they take his head to David, then, you know, they've done a service to David. David's going to reward them. They'll probably get a bunch of money and power and prestige. And it would be better than them having to fight and lose to David and being his captive. So this is what they think is the wise thing to do. Verse 9, But David answered Rechab and Bana, his brother, the sons of Remen, And as the Lord lives who has redeemed my life out of every adversary. When one told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and he thought he was bringing me good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house, on his, on his bed, shall I not require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they killed them and cut off their hands and feet, and hang them beside the pool at Hebron. And then they buried the head of Ishbosheth in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. That's kind of interesting they and ironic. They bury the head in the tomb of Abner who had originally betrayed him. So that's verse that's chapter four for you. Um David is now he doesn't even have to attack Israel to become king because Saul and Jonathan get killed by the Philistines. He doesn't even have to attack Ishbosheth 
um, because wicked men kill him. So David doesn't have to kill any king of Israel to become king of Israel. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 5 now, David gets anointed king of Israel. So chapter 5, verse 1, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who let out uh, and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Isn't it interesting that all these elders from all around Israel finally wake up to the fact that the Lord said, You shall be my shepherd of my people Israel. You shall be my prince over Israel. In other words, they knew God had anointed David all the time, so why in the world were they rebelling against him to start with? Why were they lining up beside behind Saul? Why were they lining up besides Saul's son Ishbosheth to start with? Maybe it was their own sense of pride, their own sense of popularity and prestige. Isn't it interesting? And now, why are they coming to David here? Because they figure they don't have any other choice. They know they're defeated. So they're letting the politics kind of tell them what to do in the spiritual side of life. They know that they've been beat. They know that David now has consolidated power, and he hadn't even lifted a finger. So they anoint him king. Verse 4. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. Okay? Seven of those years are in Hebron. 33 are in Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? At Hebron, he reigned over Judea seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judea 33 years. So, you know, 33 plus 7 is 40 years. Verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jezebites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David. Now, this is what happens when David is king. The first thing he does, and my study Bible says, the first real thing that this new king David does is he takes Jerusalem. Now, who's living there? The Jezebites. And they said to David, they're, they're teasing him. Now, you will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off, thinking David cannot come in here. In other words, the city of Jerusalem was so fortified that they didn't even need, need to lift a finger to defend it, that blind men and lame people will be enough to ward off you, David, you can't even come in. So they were taunting him. They were that confident. You're not going to, you know, mess with us. Verse 7, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And David said on that day, Whoever would strike the Jezebites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul. 
So David sent some of his men up a water shaft that was feeding the city of Jerusalem from the uh, Gion Spring, which is outside kind of the wall. The city is being fed by this spring. Or they might have built a wall around this spring. I'm not sure exactly. It looks like I'm looking at a map where it is. There is a, a wall around it. So this spring um, has a water shaft, but it does go in the inner city walls to bring water in there. So David's saying, look, anybody who wants to fight these uh, blind and lame men, so he's using their own words to taunt him to inspire his own soldiers to go up the water shaft. Therefore, it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into this house. And David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. So in other words, they go up the water shaft, get behind the walls, and open the doors of the city to let David's army in. They take the city. Easy. And David built, um, David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. So the stronghold was kind of, the fortified area. And David built the city all around from the Milo inward. So David became greater and greater for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. So he takes the city and he kind of lives at the top area in the stronghold. And then he all around inside the city walls, he builds these, it's called the, the Milo or the Milo, I th- I'm just pronouncing it Milo, it's spelled M-I-L-L-O. And basically, it's kind of terraced housing. And um, it would give people uh, a safe place to live. Verse 11, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David in cedar trees and carpenters and masons who built David a house. Uh, obviously, David's friends with Hiram, king of Tyre. And David knew that the Lord had established him over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David, verse 13, And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. So, is this the right thing for him to do? No. McGee says, no. God's. This is not God's plan, but... You know, David does make mistakes. So, a couple of people were born, though, of note. One was Nathan, one of his sons, and one was Solomon, another one of his sons. So, Nathan, from his line, comes Mary. Solomon, from his line, comes Joseph. So, both Mary and Joseph are from the house of David, and Jesus is from the house of David on both sides of the family. Okay? Now, meanwhile, back in the Philistine country, in Philistia, they thought David was their man because he'd been living there so long. He even offered, offered to fight their battles, but of course they rejected him fighting against Israel because their commanders didn't want him out on the battlefield. They were scared of him. Now, verse 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel and all the Philistines went up to search for David, 
But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? Look how David always asked God what to do. And the Lord said to David, Go up, and I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came and basically defeats them. And the Philistines came up again. David asked God what to do. David defeats them again. And that is at the, that's where we come. At the end of verse 5, David now has Jerusalem and now defeats and defends Jerusalem from the attacking Philistines who were trying to take away his victory. It's interesting that this city, Jerusalem, um, originally uh, was... originally was where Melchizedek was king because before it was called Jerusalem, it was called Salem. And we refer to Salem, this city, back in Genesis. Uh, Back then, it was an unwalled city. And after Melchizedek, because remember, Abraham made an offering to Melchizedek. And uh, because he was, as I remember, he was king and a priest. So now that city that David has ultimately will come another king and a priest, Jesus, who's even greater than Melchizedek. And um, the Jezebites took over the city. And so King David now takes over the city from the Jezebites. I think that's really interesting. Now, north of the city is Mount Morah. And on this mountain or this hilltop, that's the hill first mentioned also in Genesis where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. So it's up there. So David's palace is sort of at the northern part of the walled city of Jerusalem and was built on the ruins of the Jezebite citadel, which is the stronghold of the Jezebites. So that's an interesting thing. So at the top, you've got the stronghold, David's palace, the Milo, which is this terraced, terraced area for people to live. You got this uh, sort of at the um, eastern part of the city. You've got this pool, the Guyon Spring, and it's walled off too, but that's where David actually snuck in to defeat the city, to take the city. And um, then you've got more eastern, you got the Kidron Valley and the gardens. Uh, and I believe that's where the Garden of Gethsemane is and all that other stuff, where Jesus would visit. So that's a brief overview of um, 
all of this. So we'll stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. This is a really, really interesting study now as we see David becoming king. So as always, from me to all of you, keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. Um, And we'll see you here next time. Uh, And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 2 Samuel, beginning at chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, verse 25. So in chapter 4, we are going to be dealing with the troubled times of the nation Israel. So it was a time of civil war after the death of King Saul and his son Jonathan. And these things have been given to us here in scripture in order that we might uh, sorry, in order that they might minister to you and me in a spiritual way as well as to give us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So that's the reason. So there's certain things here in scripture and Paul's written about it and it says, you know, there's certain things that happened then in that particular time and they're being given to us, you know, so that you know they are able, they minister to us. And we may be able to make application in our lives. Not that they are going to happen, but they've already happened before. So here, that's the um, that's the reason why we've been given these things. So in our last study, that was yesterday, we saw that you know, they had been a rebellion against David. Uh, he had been... Um, he actually had been... Uh, made king for the tribe of Judah and he had moved into Hebron and Hebron was a city of refuge at and it was at the edge of the kingdom in the south um, of the nation Israel and we have Abner Abner who was the chief captain in Saul's King Saul's army he had led a rebellion by putting the son of the late King Saul on the throne and the son was Ishbosheth. So, because the you know this young king that was um, Saul's um, son, he you know at a certain point rebuked Abner because Abner had actually taken King Saul's concubine and was with her now, and this young king Ash. Um, Aishbosheth, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, rebuked Abner because of his position, you know, of taking the concubine of Saul. And Abner went over to David. Actually, Abner did not take the rebuke very well. Um, and looking at this young king who was inexperienced and all, unlike David and like his father, he was inexperienced, he had no army, and all he had was a birth name and right to take over the throne. So Abner, you know, did not take kindly to um, the young king's rebuke. So Abner went over to David, and there he found a man called Joab, whose brother he had actually killed and was actually waiting to avenge his brother. And he lured him out of Hebron, the city of refuge, um, just right outside 
of Hebron and Joab killed killed him. So as you know, David actually phrased it in chapter. You know, he made, gave a very strange epitaph, and that was in chapter three of Second Samuel, verse thirty-three, and it reads. I'm going to read that. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? So this is the epitaph that they gave. And, you know, Abner, he had salvation. He was in the city of refuge. Uh, but he didn't ex- actually accept the salvation. He decided to move out of the city. And that's where he got killed. And today, people are not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Um... Because the only way we're going to be saved is if we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. And people are not accepting him. People are not accepting that salvation. So, um, Ishbosheth, now we see, has lost his captain. That's Abner in the military. And he cannot maintain the kingdom against David without the military. And besides, you know, Abner had already gone over to David and made a deal. So, here, verse 1, that's where I'll begin reading from, because that was just a brief background of what our study was like yesterday. It reads, when Saul's son heard about Abner, sorry, when Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart and all Israel was troubled. Now, Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The men of one was Bana, and the name of the other was Rechab, the sons of Rimon and Berothite, of the children of Benjamin, for Berothite was part of Benjamin, because the Berothites fled to Gittim, and had been sojourners there until this day. Verse four: Jonathan, Saul's son, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame. In his feet, he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. Lame. His name was Mephibosheth. So we're going to hear about the story about of David and Meshib. Um, Mephibosheth. You know how beautiful it was, how David actually embraced him because he was custom back then in the monarchy when the monarchy was actually ousted from, you know, their um, seat of power. Um, people made sure they were actually killed to the last one so that no one actually laid claim to the throne. But in this particular case, David actually embraced them and we'll get to see the story of David and Jonathan's son later on. So... Um, and as long as Mephibosheth lived, he was um, a constant threat to David because he had throne rights. So he was Jonathan's son, and since he was Jonathan's son, David would never actually harm a single hair on his head. And David would go looking for the family members of Saul and Jonathan to actually show them kindness and not to kill them. Like I said earlier, it was a custom back. It was a custom back then. If a royal family is no longer in power, they were all exterminated. So the spiritual lesson in this is: we have been 
crippled here by sin. And um, the spirit, that's, this is the spiritual relationship between Jonathan's son and David. And God actually covers us with his righteousness cause and cause of what Christ did for us. Um, so God accepts us and receives his and receives us. God receives his own. Let me just read from verse 5 all the way to verse 12. Then the sons of Ramon, the Beo, Be, Bearo, Fight, Rechab, and Banna set out and came out about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was living on, who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. And then Rechab and um, Bana, his brother, escaped. For when they came into the house, he was lying on the bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took the head and were, were all night escaping through the plain. And they brought the head of Ish. Bo Sheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbo Sheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life, and the Lord has avenged you. And the Lord has avenged um, so, and the Lord has avenged my Lord the King who this day of Saul and his descendants. But David answered Rechab and Banna, his brother, the sons of Rimon and Berothite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversary, when someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking I have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, the one who thought I would give him a reward to this day. Um, the one who thought I would sorry, give him a reward for this news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house, in his bed. Therefore, I shall not only require his blood on your hand and remove you from the earth so david commanded his young men and they executed them cut off their heads and feet and hung them in the pool um in hebron but they took the heads of ish bosheth and buried it in the tomb of abner in hebron okay so technically these men who were lowly ranked in the army of Abner, when they heard Abner had died, they decided, huh, you know, we're going to pick sides and we'll pick David's side because it looks like the winning side. So they decided the only way that we're going to get a reward is if we behead um, Abner, <coughs> Saul's son, and take it to David. But that didn't sit kindly with David. 
at all because he was a righteous man and he had the same very man who actually killed Saul's son beheaded so now we get to chapter 5 and in chapter 5 they actually set they sent representatives like different parts of the nation and it reads then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke saying indeed we are bone and flesh um, also in the sorry indeed we are bone and flesh rather yeah, so they are actually different places they sent out their representatives and these people were fighting amongst themselves which is a sad thing because of the civil war so now the nation is to be united under David um They were and now other nations were made David and it is to enter the greatest period that this nation has ever enjoyed in the past and will actually be typical of the day Christ comes to rule. Verse two chapter five I'm going to read also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. The Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people, Israel, and be ruler over Israel. So they are now getting around to acknowledging that these people are not getting around to acknowledging that David was the right and legitimate ruler over them. Verse 3 goes on to read. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So this nation is now ready to enter its greatest period of prosperity and expansion. So we get to chapter 5. Then the sons of... um, Yes, so chapter 5, 4 rather. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was named in his feet. He was five years old um, when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took um, him up and... And his son took, sorry, and the nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that as she, um, it happened that she she made haste to flee, and he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Then the sons of Ramon, the Beerotite, Rechab, and Benani. Uh, so Bana set out and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on the bed in his room. Um, in his so he was lying on the bed at noon. Thanks. So here, um. He actually um, 
reigned, that's David, for 40 years and 6 months in total. If we actually had to just follow this. Verse 6 goes on to read, and they came here. Sorry, I'm reading in the wrong verse. Verse 4 and 5. Sorry, chapter 5, I was reading in verse thing. In verse 4. So, it reads, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Hebron, he reigned over Judah for seven years and six months. And in Israel, and in Israel, he resigned. Um, in Hebron, he sorry, he reigned for over. He reigned over Judah six years, seven years, and six months. And Jerusalem, he reigned thirty-three years over all Israel and Judah. So that's the number of years he ruled for six persons read. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem among the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Okay, so, you know, these Jebusites have underestimated David so he was a great military leader as well as a political leader and he plotted and strategized well and before they knew it they before the war even started they were already they had already lost and he was you know a real man of God um to Zion so um so he David was like a very good political man and ruler verse 7 goes on to read mm. nevertheless david took the stronghold of zion um so nevertheless david took the stronghold of zion that is the city of david this is called so zion was david's favorite spot so it is the high point of the city and Zion and Jerusalem was David's city so David took the stronghold of Zion the same as the city of David he moved um, so he moved and took the logo um, sorry he moved and took and then he took the top of the hill not the, the city proper and from that vantage point he was able to take the city of the Jebusites verse 8 I'm going to read now David said on that day whoever climbs up by way of Water, the way of the water shaft. There, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and the detail and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Um, now. Okay, so now David said to said on that day, whoever climbs up 
by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites and the lame and the blind who um, so sorry verse 8 reads now David said on the day whoever climbs up by way to the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say the blind and the lame. So, um, so the blind and the lame shall not come into the home, into the house. Then, um, and so sorry. Um, so here, verse eight. David was. Uh, David here is doing something that apparently is a result of um, his years um, of roughing it up. He stayed for a long time in the caves and the strongholds and running from Saul. So he was a rough man and a ready individual. So God would never let him actually build a temple because he was, he had a checkered past and he is, and God is the one who judges, who judged him. So we have no right to judge others and the opposite actually holds true. So let's not judge David in this particular case that you know, what kind of person is he? How is he a man after God's heart when he's got this checkered past? So God already judged him. And he did feel God's judgment. Verse 9. Um, so, yeah. So we have no right to actually judge others. To also judge David. Verse 9. God going to read. Then David dwelt in the stronghold that's Mount Zion and called the city of David and called it the city of David and David built all around him the Milo and inward verse ten goes on to read So David went on and became great and the Lord God of hosts was with him verse eleven then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to david and cedar trees and carpets and mansions and um so let's see so david and the seat so hiram king of tyre sent messengers to david and cedar and built Naram, um and built sorry And built um, trees, cities, and mansions, and they built David's house. Verse. So, when he actually moved up, that's David. He made a friend from Tyre named Tyram the king. And the king gave him quite a number of things to help build his house. Verse 12. Read. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So, 
Sorry, I don't actually recognize the David was an outstanding man, so he worked out an arrangement to simply um to actually supply him with building materials and um so um so he made the arrangement to give him building material to build him a house. Verse 13, there's going to be hmm. okay. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron. Also, more sons and daughters were born to David. So this is a record of the fact. It's not God's approval. It's just a record, and in his, in, um, you know, David, in David's son Solomon, he actually, um, he actually, um, eventually, um, it, it was like the splitting of the kingdom today, and it was brought on eventually the uh, brought on the Babylonian captivity eventually. Um, that's what it eventuated to after the reign of Solomon. King Solomon, verse fourteen. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shamu. Shobab. Um. Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, uh, Iba, Lishua, Nepeg. Uh, so, here, from the time Nathan came, so here now we have David who had other concubines as well. And verse 14, we, verse 14 we read, um, the names of the son and from the line of so we have here Nathan who we know and heard of and we have Solomon so from the line of Nathan came Mary the mother of Jesus and from the line of um, so from the line of Nathan that's where Mary came from and Solomon and from the line of Solomon Joseph came from so both of them the Lord Jesus Christ God, so from both of them, the king of the line, and the, the Lord Jesus Christ got the bloodline uh, from Mary, and the legal title of the throne of David through Nathan and through Solomon. Okay, and let's go down to verse seventeen. Verse seventeen reads: Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold so David actually carried on here um, in uh, a Manasseh's way you know with the war with the Philistines and stuff and he and um, there was no peace in this country 
with these particular enemies okay all right so uh this is where today's teaching ends um i've just been a little bit sleepy just a bit tired it's my birthday today so i've been like trying to <laughs> um party up yeah but this is our teaching for today thank you all for listening and god bless you and have a pleasant day Bye.